under four million, just under four million dollars to make this thing. Now that's Canadian dollars, and this was backed by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Uh, this was this this was theatrically released, and it did okay. The the internet doesn't. I, there's not even a Wikipedia page for this film. The internet forgot about this film. Yeah, you know, I used to before the internet. I had like Video Hound, and I ha and I would I would see actors. They would list the actors in the back, and Peter Ackroyd would be listed, and I'd be like, I want to see Dan yeah. Ackroyd's brother's movie, and right. I could never find this movie. You know, so I'm really glad. I mean, the the premise of our podcast is that we can finally watch movies that we've only heard about. You know, yeah, that we didn't have access to, and now we have instant. You would access. read a, you would read a fanzine. You yeah, would, and I would. It would be in the back of the, you know, but you would have to go down to the Zigfield in New York, you know, on have, Tuesday at eight p.m. Worse, I would have to go to Kim's Video in New York and deal with those. Right, I've never been there. My brother said they're all assholes back in the eighties. Like that was the hip video store, but yeah. Right. Uh, in, in the 90s, there was Leather Tongue, and there was uh, uh, a place down the Lower Hate. And they had, like, snooty, uh, you know, uh, video clerks. And I, I worked in a video store in Montclair, so, you know, I, I'm part yeah. of that Melu. But uh, Which the, one was it? The one in Wachung Plaza? Uh, I think it was on Bloomfield. Bloomfield Avenue. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying By to think what? it was. What's that? By what? What was it, it near? I, I, the, I think the it was, Claridge? He, uh, it used to be, I might have been the By arcade. the Wellmont? No, not down by the Wellmont, more by the Claridge, I guess. Okay. okay. Yeah, like kind of crisscross, you know, on, on Fullerton and like, I, I think it was I Bloomfield. I can't remember. I know that you were there and I even visited. It might have been, maybe it was in Watchung Plaza. No, Watchung Plaza I would remember. Yes, that, definitely. I, yeah, I kind of trashed a job. I, I was like so hung up with my co college girlfriend that I couldn't work the summer, and I just lost that job. But uh, <clears throat> it was fun, you know. I okay, met a lot. Now they are seeing, um, they are seeing the only real comedian, uh, Andy Kaufman, the Bongo guy. Yeah. And they're like, w w "Let's find out." See, he doesn't talk to anybody. He considers himself, he's like kind of snobby, like I'm a real comedian and you guys are open micers, even though it's not called that. Um, and so they're following him. They're following his bus. Now, his bus is going to the dirt, dirt poor part of town. I don't know. What does that mean? Compton? I don't know. And, this, um, you say this in Montreal, so I don't have to beat myself in the head because I don't recognize <laughs> the bus line or the right. uh, where it parks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, God Bruce damn it. Nutter, that's his name. Bruce Nutter in the film. Nutter. That name's a little contrived. So they're following him to see where he lives, and then they're going to fuck with him. Looks like he lives in the Mexican part of town. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that real graffiti, or did they spray it up for the movie? Yeah, good question. Uh, the owner could tell me. But if this is a real house, that's kind of sucky for them to do that. Is this an abandoned building? Is this a movie no, lot? This is this is a poor apartment building, apparently. Yeah, and but was, when they when they shot the funny farm, was it a real building? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The internet. Uh, there was an IMDb entry which almost didn't say anything about the film. So uh, you know. I, I usually get my main information from Wikipedia, 
fill in the blanks with that trivia section from IMDb, and right. then begin scouring the internet for the real interesting stuff. There right. was none of that with this film. I found out all about the actors. I found out all about how it's Canadian. Okay. But it's killing me. There must be like so many comedians from Los Angeles who's been around for 40 years. They talk about it. They do podcasts. They do live streams. You can mm -hmm. hear their history. So I'm just surprised no one's really discovered this or talked about this. Maybe He's got a gun. because it was Came uh, Canada? Yeah. Well, I don't remember seeing it in 83. I remember E.T. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, he goes, you, Canada, you punks invade my privacy. You get, you get out of here. And yeah. he's gonna get really upset. Oh really no no! Upset. I take it back. Look, they did they did some work on this movie. The director had these people on cue. Will you shut up? <laughs> okay, I want he's you to stand in this gun. lady's apartment, and then when I say when I call you, pick up the pretend you hear them outside. Oh look at this! He's already he made it off that one set. Yeah, he is now since he's wall. been invited up there to perform. He's going to be. You know, he's one of the regular comedians now at the Funny Farm. Things are moving quick for this guy because it's really a movie. Quick. But uh, so this is all within the year. He moved in. Now he's on the phone with the TV studio going, did you make a decision about my pilot yet? Now, was this because of that set he did it was so well? There was there was someone in the yeah, audience, right? There was a, there, right. There was a talent scout. And they, they, he's auditioned now for a pilot. This just isn't the way the world works. As a guy who's made a pilot, nobody was interested in it, and then is now in the middle of making a second pilot, I assure you, America. Now, I know this was a different time, but I, still, you don't just walk off the street and get offered a pilot. Let's, let's put it this way, okay? Uh, Maybe the writer and a director is so fucking bitter that in his movie, you know, the fucking young, handsome guy immediately gets a pilot. Right. Just you know, vicariously. Just for the sake of the story and just for his bitterness. Now he's at Sammy's house and he sees Sammy with the picture of Philly Beekman. What's going on? Then he finds out it's my it's dad. My dad. Well, why don't you go on stage? Be. Billy Beekman's son. This guy, he plays all around the room, and he's Billy Beekman's son. Give it up for Billy Beekman Jr. Right. I mean, Tony. Tony Beekman. Sorry. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. There's some, uh, I guess, uh, Buddy Hackett's son was a comedian. Uh, I don't know. Jackie Mason's daughter, and it's illegitimate, she changed her name to Mason. She's Sheba Mason, just so you know. She, yeah. She's the daughter. There is also um, Kelly, uh, Kelly, uh, um, uh, living in a van down by the river. Oh, his brother Kevin. His brother is yeah, yeah. and uh, and they look similar. You know, they're okay. So because Sammy's dad is uh, Philly Beekman, he's arranged for these guys to get to go there for free to Vegas. So they're flying. I don't know if they paid for uh, the from plane. what are they going from Montreal to Toronto now. They're going from Los Angeles to Vegas to oh, in the movie. To Got a clown see... face clown. Oh, yeah. Look, this looks kind of like Montreal's version of Las Vegas. No, they're in Vegas. Oh, Piazzador is in Las Vegas, Carl. I... So, did you think of that movie, Fake Out? Fake Out. Fake Out. There's yes. Don Rickles. Oh, and he was... mooned him. 
um, where it's at. We saw Don Rickles yeah, in Vegas. Las Vegas as well. I and believe you... that this has got to be really Vegas. I mean, they're not going to do the fake set. No, and they actually paid to get like this funny name up on the sands. Yep, a marquee. Yeah, now, that's great. This guy, Philly Beekman, his name is Jack Carter, and he was oh, Jack Carter. Yeah. So he was like in the vein of Milton Berle. Um, uh, we should let's see I if we can enjoy his act. You want to listen? I yeah, I do. Funny. So this has to be his act. He's not doing a character's act. It's probably Jack Carter's bit act, right? Goes, this band is one of the greatest bands of our day. But I don't know. At night, they kind of stuck. Here he is, Jack Carter, hey, 1983. Folks. He yeah. had a long, distinguished career. He died at 93 in Los Angeles. And like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I remember that. Let's see here. 93rd birthday, 2015. He's killing. Because of his jacket. Because of his jacket. Oh, look, even how is this that? Two, three, four. So, you know, this is interesting, Carl, because unlike I'm dying up here with Jim Carrey, right. this is contemporary comedy looking at their uh, at, at their their elders, I guess, yes. whatever the old comics are, uh, and they're commenting. So it's young comedians. They feel young comedians talking to the Vegas act. Right. And then we're going to see that in his hotel room after. Now, this guy was for real. He was on the, the Cavalcade of Stars, and he got his own NBC show called The Jack Carter Show. Um, he hosted uh, – there was, there was a – there was something called the half-hour Saturday night programming slot, and, and – <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a show – Right after Sid Caesar, Carl Reiner was on it. Um, he was friends with Sid Caesar. His, he gave the eulogy at his funeral. He was a frequent guest on Ed Sullivan. You know, one thing I have to say, I, I looked up Jack Carter, and there was like a video of Howie Mandel talking about him. Uh-huh. Like bold, bold Howie. Yeah, this is, this is curly-haired Howie. Now, Sammy, his son, didn't even come. Wow. Yeah. 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 And what's going to happen is he's going to, the thing's going to start off with like, hey, young comedians trying to pick my brains. Welcome, welcome. But then he's going to start doing some racist stuff uh, with his, uh, I don't know, this, he's got this guy here with the, the bow tie. Yeah, with the bow tie. And he's been with him for 20 years or something. And basically he starts shitting on him. Yeah. I guess, uh, I mean, and the room flips, and they're against Jack Carter. The Carter's no George Clooney, is what you're saying. That's right. I don't know what a, to be a George Clooney is. You got your friends. You know, your friends, you, you've been there for your whole life. You know, like, my friend, he gave me money for my headshot back in 82. Oh, he kissed a black man's head. Uh, yeah, look, there's Miles. He's not digging it at all. Yeah, he's not, like not digging it. And, um, yeah, so things will turn sour. He'll start pontificating about, uh, you know, you young kids. I mean, you didn't pay your dues. I 
cut my teeth on shitty rooms and everything. And then they'll say, like, well, when's the last time you saw a new comedian? As if, I don't know, it's, it's <laughs> a fake thing. Like, No, it's not true. Why don't we substitute young comedians with Zoom comedians and old school comedians with, like, comedians who did it in real life, who had a, you know, you guys. But why would... Why would a Kevin Hart, a Chris Rock, come on down to Scotty's and check out new comedians? You know what I mean? Like, why would they? Because it's it's a vibrant. No, that's. I think they have a solid argument. You okay. get yourself kind of stuck in a rut, and you don't realize there's been generations and generations of new comedians, and that things are different from the way you, the foundation is slightly different. It's different. Oh, look at this! Yeah, he's giving right now. He's drinks. going. Come on. I, my, my drink is empty here, and he's insulting him, and he's doing ethnic racist slurs. And he goes, what was that, too smart for the room? Which I thought was a funny line. Wow, it's getting awkward now. now. it's turned sour. Now we now got whiskey salt. sour. Yeah. Now it's going to flip, and he's going to start getting mad at him. You young punks, you don't know what? anything. You don't respect anything. And Jack, Jack Carter's a bit of a hothead, wasn't he? In real life, I'm not sure. Um, I kind of I, I gonna, read about him was positive. Yeah, I know he's, a, he's an interesting comedian. I, I have to, you know what? I'm gonna go take watch him on YouTube. I'm gonna see if I can find like a, a 20 minute set or something. Well, there was one bad thing. He was in that horror film Alligator in 1980, which which was <laughs> I don't know why he would do that, but well, I know weird blemish on his on his. Well, he's been on like Ed Sullivan, like he's probably t uh, for f dozens of times. He's yeah. he was a staple on Sullivan. Yes, more than dozens. I don't know about staple, but he was one of their regular go-to guys. You want to make an audience laugh? We've got a hole. You Get know. Carter. And you young comedians, you're snorting coke with Robin Williams. I don't even <laughs> know what snorting coke with Robin Williams means. <laughs> hey, man. When's the last time you checked out our act? Well, why would he? But okay. No, this this is an interesting yeah, moment. It's like road comics and like locals and, you know, comics pitting each other against each other. You know, it's comedy. It's a good point. They came to watch his show. Also, who, as a comedian, who fucking watches shows? Right? Who watches shows? Well, I mean, I like... Do you go out and see like a show? You're like, oh, Brian Regan's in town. I'm going to go see him. Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh, I guess the honest answer has to be no, but I'm always like, I'm going to go. Like, right. for instance, Kevin Hart was at Levity Live doing new material, which is in Palisades Park. Uh, it's 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 Nyack, New York. It's really close. It's like a 350 seat. I looked at the ticket prices. I was like, forget it. Also, um, Louis C.K. was there after his disgrace. And I was like, right. this would be interesting, but I never went. Um, there's another name you would know, and he was at the uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick. And the show was called Trying New Stuff. I uh, That's about 250 seats. I was going to go to that. I didn't. You know, so, I mean, this is all pre-pandemic talking. And actually, when I had a little more of a drive in, in comedy, but you would go out and you would, you know, at a showcase, I would always watch people because I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to mm -hmm. see, and if they were good, you know, like Tom Rhodes, I think is a fucking genius. And mm -hmm. I watched him every time and because everything he does. Oh, is this the executive? Oh, it's Brandon Tartikoff. Now, this NBC. is. Yeah, no, it's Brandon Tartikoff. He had a three-piece suit. 
the guy behind the oh oh well, all right are they gonna go with the young guy the white guy well, who they're does like ethnic are we material? going with the actor or are we going with the comedian and so they you know they have an argument about it and he's like well i like the comedian i think he's gonna be the next big thing but he's in the room in. yeah is that realistic yeah, it is. It's that's the way Hollywood works. I mean, it's heightened. I would have to say that the the, the, the uh, writer director is making a point by having this guy accelerate and while being dissed in the room. He's while like, "Oh, great! They're going to diss him the moment he walks out of the room." You're great. Smiles all around. Okay, smiles. Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff came up with like Punky Brewster. Came up with uh, different strokes. He wore a three-piece uh, tan suit with a vest, and he was about that guy's size. So obviously, that's who oh, they're going for. Yeah, I don't know. I getting back to watching comics. Uh, I, I mean, I like comedy, and that's why I, I definitely watch it. But uh, you know, when I would do this room, I would go to rooms that like showcases just to say hi and just to be seen there, but also to see what the comics were like and what they were well, doing. I, I always learn from that. Yeah, I. I always stay in the room when there's an open mic. People like uh, my good friend Anthony Quinn, and um, I won't start naming names. I was a yeah. but a lot of them, they go up, they do their set, and then they like disappear to like smoke pot or bullshit with the other comedians. And I never do. I always stay in the room. You I want to see don't... what everyone's doing. Yeah, but bullshitting with other comedians will get you other sets, and also just kind of you know it's networking. There's many, many, many facets to. I'm not saying talk, not don't I talk over someone. I of course hang out with the comedians, but I'm just trying to say that watching all of the comedian sets is really of value to you as a comedian. And I also just want to laugh. I want to see what they're doing, what's going on. So now he's telling the girlfriend, uh, "I got the pilot," you know, and it's like his big. He's having his up moment so we can see him crash later. Ah, uh, hey guys, I'm singing, I got a pilot. Hey, no need to diet. I already got my pilot. <laughs> That's what he's screaming to the other guys. I got a pilot. I got a pilot. Oh, he's that comic. Yeah. Yeah. But well. they're like, what's going on? And then they find out the ugly, ugly, ugly thing that Nutter has killed himself. They went and invaded his privacy, and now Nutter went and killed himself. This will show you. Wait a minute. So the comedy store, wasn't there a suicide? I got to get my research down. There was someone jumped off a roof or something, a comedian? I don't know that story. Um, you might be right about that. No. Bruce well, Nutter has killed himself. Bruce Nutter, Mike McDonald. Not, not Michael McDonald from Mad TV or Michael right. McDonald, the singer. Right. It's not. Mike McDonald. Um, okay, so let's see. This was his first film, The Funny Farm, Mike McDonald. But he was in, um, there was a Jefferson Starship commercial, and he played a comedian that, he was in Screwballs 2. Which we did on the show. Two. We did that on the show. You weren't there. I got, oh, I got a okay. comic I got a comic from uh, uh, the this Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest to join me. Super Dave's Vegas Spectacular. Um, oh. I mean, he was out there. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know a bunch of his stuff. The Ben, Chasing Robert, The Ripping Fields. I, you wouldn't know a bunch of this stuff, but he had a career, and um, he did. Uh, he died. He It was 2013. He had liver transplant surgery, and his liver failed. It was hepatitis. Wow. Liver uh, transplant. Yeah. 
So, but still, wow. he's known for, I don't know, this film called The Nutcracker Prince in 90, Chasing Robert in 2007. He had a career. And he also had bipolar. Okay, so here we are at his funeral. Now, what I don't understand is this guy was dirt poor, but he spent a lot of money to do everything perfectly, and he insisted on an open mic at his funeral. And that's what they're doing right now. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I, I, do you want an open mic at your funeral? I don't think I do. I think this is a movie. Now, you saw this movie already, so you know the punchline here. But people watching at home won't know. Well, I should mention what I know is that uh, our Sunshine Boy was going to perform and, and Brendan Tarikoff was going to go over to the, the comedy store and watch him. But because of Bruce Nutter's fucking prank, he can't perform. Right? I mean, the, yeah. wasn't the guy supposed to see him tonight? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then this death fucking kibosh is career opportunity. Yes, I don't really care. Yes, that is true. That's what my takeaway was that this asshole, like, and for what? For being a narcissist, for doing, dying and having fake parents. I want to thank the rented parents that are they genius. Are fake. You're right. You're right. Yeah. No, you they announced it. Funny. You don't think this was inventive and creative? Uh, I'm killing time until the reveal. Okay. <laughs> Let's, let's, coming up pretty closely. Spoil everything. Okay? Lou Ferrigno. Bruce Nutter did not kill himself. It's all a big scam. He's going to open his coffin and pop out and go, don't you ever follow me home again and run away. I think it's funny. You can't wait two seconds to let it happen. I Right now we're having a sad harmonic yeah, music. All the, all the comments are like, how come I'm going first for Nutter's funeral? Yeah, that's right. I Do don't you hear when you go up a Nutter's funeral? Uh, no. Okay, you're first. Okay, the ghost of Nutter shows now, up. Now Gail's freaking out. Ah! <laughs> don't you assholes ever follow me home again? <laughs> <laughs> right, and look, Miles is like, you asshole, like you fucking Brandon Tartikoff. Peter Ackroyd's like, I'm going to kill him. He runs by and he goes, wasn't that Nutter? Oh, yeah, that's the parents. The parents are like, does, does this mean we're not getting paid? Oh, boy. And then comedians desecrative graveyard. By now, most all of this film was well-written in, um, in how it flows. Right. This next cut is not well done. It doesn't flow at all. All of a sudden, like, they, there's no reason for them to be all here in this <gasps> same room. Look at that. Howie Mandel is passing a joint. Yeah, yeah. He he he's letting people smoke it, and then he's going to smoke it again. You mean because of COVID? Because of he, he's famously he doesn't shake people's hands. You know that. Oh well, that could have developed. Yeah, he's got a uh, OCD kind of germ phobia thing. Yeah, right. right. Of today, but uh, in this but in this scene, he's smoking a communal joint. Right now, it might be because it's a movie, and it might be because his. His paranoia hasn't developed yet. I think as comics, they they were just smoking anyway, so it was kind of second nature. Let's see, oh. let's talk about Howie Mandel. Sure. Uh, okay, he is Canadian. He's totally Canadian. Uh, we know him from Deal or No Deal, the the suitcases game show. Right. Um, Bobby's World. There's Canadian and England counterparts, and he's on it too. Um, he got big. As a 
he got little as a comedian, but then he got big on this medical drama called Saint Elsewhere, which right. you remember was a primetime show. It was on six years, and he was a doctor on it. Well, you know, fits like a glove. He took a surgical glove, and he blew it up and looked like a little chicken rooster. Yeah. Put it on his head. Put it on and his head. It's so like- part of it was that he was a prop comic, and he was also that doctor from Saint Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it kind of clicked on that. Like it was like well, a yes, nice- he was the prop comic first. It's true. St. Elsewhere didn't make him. But because of being a prop comic, he got on St. Elsewhere, and so he had six years of exposure to the public. Now, he didn't take that and go on to do a um, huge movie career. Instead, he turned it into like a voiceover career. Well, we should mention that as a bad movie uh, podcast, I mean, a good podcast about bad movies he was in Walk Like a Dog, which if it was on yep. YouTube, we'd be watching it, where he's like a human dog. And yes. then he's the monster under the bed or in the closet. This right. movie's like a cult film. I have people swear by this film, and I really enjoy it, too. He's good in it. So he's he's done some real cultish films. Like, this is a cult film, too, I would imagine. But, yeah, he, he well, was a he was mogwai. the voice in Gremlins, the yeah. voice of Gizmo, and in Gremlins, too. Um, and he was in Tribulation which was a um, one of those Cloud 10 pictures. Remember we saw Cameron, what's his name? Oh, like a born-again Christian type? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I'm not born-again Christian, a religious, a spiritual base. Cloud faith-based. 10 pictures is faith, faith-based pictures, and he was in Tribulation in 2000. We know him from America's Got Talent. He was on the fifth season. But he did a lot of voiceover work. He did a lot of, uh, you know, the aristocrats and... Bobby's World was his Bobby's own. World. Yeah. He was in Pinocchio and Hansel and Gretel and Tangerine Bear and Jack. Well, the, I, do you ever I don't see know, lots of voiceover work. He does. You ever see how we do it? This is how we do it. Hey, we're in a Las Vegas buffet, and unbeknownst to the tourists, we put gold tokens in instead of food. Let's see what happens. Uh, this okay, is now Dale is paranoid about earthquakes. She hates it, right? And right. we find out that she stole some of their um, stand-up routines, and, and it aired in Ohio, so they're pissed. So they're pretending there's an earthquake. It's a pretty good gag. Peter Aykroyd's got them. So now she freaks out and goes, it's a quake! It's a quake! So was she fucking comic? It's was that the whole... So that's the thing, like, a comic was like, I'll I'll seduce her, and then when I'm fucking her, we'll have the audience pretend it's an earthquake. Right. So then she comes out, it's a quake! And then somebody tips her off that it's not. She's oh, Maurice did it. She was fucking Maurice? I thought he was a cool guy. That's not cool. Well, Maurice, uh, they are all not cool. They're all in on this. And the only one who feels any pity for Gail is our star, uh, Mark Chaplin, and he's going to get into the car with her and try to, like, calm her down. Now, he, the owner's freaking out because nobody's inside spending money. Right. So he's trying to send them all back inside. What a weird scene. What a weird club. Mark Champlin is his name in the film. I, I get it mixed up because it's Miles Chapin and Mark Champlin. Anyway, he gets in there, and he basically... She's like, get out, get out, leave me alone, <laughs> and he doesn't. And then she, like, sort of speaks her mind in her heart. 
about how, like, why doesn't anybody like me? I, I love them. They give me joy and happiness. I'm all about these comedians. And so we're getting some feelings here. Do you think that's, do you think uh, club owners, comedy club owners really feel this way? I only know one comedy club owner really, really well, and he doesn't feel that way. Everybody kisses this guy's butt. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's so funny. Not since Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams have I seen such a acting combo of comedian and Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> She's you ever see Dead Heat? job right now at the, as an actress. She yeah. Really she definitely grounds this movie. Like, she's given a real performance. This is a real person, it feels like. Now, we saw her in My Old Man last year. That's right. Yeah, she pops up in a lot of great stuff. Like, when I see her name, like, I'm watching a movie and she, her name's in there, I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. or a TV show. She's because good. she's good. Now, um, Goldie Hawn movie, what was it? Uh, Private Benjamin. That's how the, the country got to know her. Yeah, um, that was a really big film. Yeah. Yeah, it was a memorable, memorable scene. She was uh, Mrs. Peacock in Clue. Right. Um, so, look, uh, Mrs. Shore. I mean, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Farm. Mrs. Farm. Just feel better. Hey, can I get a set Tuesday? I'm going to let you go and just think, but if I could do seven minutes instead of five on tomorrow, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, look, he's got the congratulations telegrams. He's got his headshot. Yeah. Yeah. So this is day one of his pilot. He's already gone out there and done some of it and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. He wasn't good enough. And, and the woman is like, an, I told you so moment. She suggested the actor. Look, you want an act, you want acting, you hire an actor. So now they're going to let him go. Do they have really? You wow. know this film. He's getting fired right now. Well, they. Well, I know this film. They say, "Hey, we got an actor waiting in the parking lot. He's just he's smoking a Marlboro right now." But just give me the word. I'll give him the eye. He'll come right up. Yeah. There we go. Hey. Oh, look. My character. I think my character would be great if it had more lines. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, listen. We're off the set. You're fired. Yeah. That's yeah. right. He goes, we're going in a different direction with your character. He goes, fine, no problem. He goes, no, you don't understand. He goes, wait a minute, are you firing me? He goes, I didn't say that. He goes, you are firing me. He goes, well, you said it. Ugh, what a passive-aggressive asshole. The, and he uh, leaves the artist entrance. So this is Montreal with the artist entrance? It's is this like pronounced Montreal. UBS television. So it's like C, Canadian. Yeah. They, they moved the C for Canada up and made it a U. Yeah, instead shot. of CBS, it's you. You BS, why not? You can oh, be all right. So oh, yeah. hi, be a... girlfriend. And he goes, I blew it. So basically he's gonna have a crybaby I quit comedy. Yeah, no, I, I know. Second, but then he's gonna start driving home. He's gonna go to some honky tonk and do like five minutes. Everyone's gonna love him. And he's going to turn around and come back, and she's going to be happy. It doesn't. It's a very poorly written end. Well, okay, so I think this is kind of so far so good. This guy drives at the beginning of the year. He drives from Cleveland. He goes to Los Angeles. He's on it. He's on it. He's part of the scene. He, everyone now knows him. He's doing time. He's a regular. Uh, he takes, you know, he gentrifies. He gentrifies uh, uh, an act, and then he gets a pilot. Uh, and then they kick him out even the first day of shooting. 
I think it's fucking this guy, the director, like just being bitter. Oh, he's in the mental ward. Yeah, Nutter. Bruce Nutter went crazy, and he's now in the mental ward. And it doesn't make sense. He's going to, like, say to the girlfriend, Mark is going to say to the girlfriend, like, I don't want to end up like Bruce Nutter. How would he look his comic books upside down? He goes, I, I have to be upside down now. That's that's my favorite line in this movie. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. So I'm going to use that line. The thing is, why in the world would he end up like Bruce Nutter? It, it doesn't make sense in the real world. It, it's poorly written. I mean, I'm I, I'm not going to really talk about comedians, but the, you know, this is not kind of something like this could happen. I don't know about this. Is he doing time? Yes, he. Did you stop watching the film because you knew everything up until I'm the trying earthquake? To, I do. No, okay. I, I know. Where, yeah, no, I'm just trying so to what, move, move move our show along. Okay, so what is happening now is every day at this time he does like 15 minutes, and people come in. He's He's going, and so he's saying it's great to be here at the funny farm. And the joke is, you know, he's at the crazy, you know. But like the joke is, these guys are acting like you know outside crazies. You know what I mean? Like we're a crazy comedy. We're the loony bin. How come everyone's in those uh, ga- uh, smocks, those uh, hospital gowns? But Bruce, okay, he's got his own. Yeah. So now, now he's essentially gonna. Quit. Well, right. it isn't time for him to quit yet, but he's really close. If I may, I have seen this movie. You have already spoiled the movie, but allow me to spoil this movie. He So he fails, right? And now he's completely burnt and bitter, and he's not even going to try again. He doesn't want to go to the club. He doesn't want to talk to the comedians. He doesn't even want to live in the same house as the waitress. And then right. the biggest night of comedy is is New Year's Eve, right? That's right. like everybody in America decides or Canada decides to go out and and drink and not talk to their spouses because they're watching a show, or they just want <laughs> they want to go out and drink, or they just want to get out of the house, or they want to watch stand up comedy on TV. It's the biggest night of tell of yeah. uh, stand up comedy is New Year's Eve. But he won't go. In fact, he fucking bails on his girlfriend on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and, and moves out, which and know, he gets and Mitzi Shore. I mean, uh, I Brennan, yeah. yeah, offers him a great spot on New Year's, and he turns it down. Right, which is such a no-no. You, no matter how you're feeling, you always say yes. Yeah, exactly. unless you really, unless you're really gonna fuck it up. You if know, you have COVID. If you're drunk, you if, don't know no, your material. If you're drunk, ooh, they have assignment. Look at that. That memory game: beep, red, green, yellow. I used to love that. Ah, and, the, and the pay wow what a museum yeah because you, you should always take a set because they're never going to offer again if you say no the first time that's right they'll never offer it again they yeah you, that's the memory they have you said no. yeah you said no they got a show to run they need no. yeah i mean you know it as, a, as running a show you sometimes you, someone does a show or there's a spot missing you need someone asap you don't need bullshit right i don't need 40 questions i don't need you saying i can't do it but i'll love another set and then follow up that's not the reason why I'm calling you in this 11th hour. Right. I need someone. Can you deliver? If you deliver, I'll get you another set. But right. if you don't deliver and then you keep pestering me for a set because the last time <laughs> I asked, it's gone. I, I don't have time because I have 500 people pestering me anyway. Look at Back her in the face. Day. I'll it's, never understand comedians. Clay. Right. Look, there's Mr. Shore. I guess he maybe is a kind of Mr. Sure if he's. You don't think they're married? Oh, she's she's fucking people uh, comics, but you know they could be married. In the beginning, the juggler explained that he was the club owner and she was the manager. Oh. So I think what he does is cowardly. 
I think it's like it goes against everything you learn in comedy, which is that you will never stop and you can't stop. You know, you have to take you, any kind of failure, just thick skin, right? You got to let it off your tail. It because does, you're, now, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense what he's doing. And he's not just making a mistake because he's a young comedian. It's also the author. It's the self-hatred. It's, no, but comics, you know, I mean, I relate to what he's doing. He he's, self-sabotaging. he's self-sabotaging everything to the point where he negates himself and everything he's he achieved the year that he moved out here. You know, it's New Year's Eve. It has the year okay. is about to end, and he bails. Like, he doesn't even last a year. He self-destructs, and it's wrong. And I, I feel like, you know, someone told me something. Carl said, you have to think you're funny. Because if you don't think you're funny, then nobody in the room thinks you're funny. Of course. Of so course. even if you're not funny, you still have to think you're funny because that way you don't side with the audience when they turn on you. Right. That's and, one of the only things I learned from the Steve Martin uh, masterclass I paid $96 for. Uh -huh. You got to pretend you're killing when you're up there. If you do a joke that doesn't work, move on. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So he doesn't do that because, and then, uh, I mean, that's the thing. So he should, he should show up. Like, comics would love to say, oh, what happened to that pilot you were yelling about at the parking lot? How did that turn out? Right, uh, he's going to eat a lot of shit, but you do eat a lot of shit because it's a salt fire ship, and it's things are raw and rocky, and you're vulnerable on stage. And you know, I don't know, I haven't performed, Carl, fucking in a while. Stand up? Well, yeah, you haven't personally performed. I used to produce COVID. Yeah, COVID is exactly right. You know, New Year's Eve shows, I I produced my own because no one was booking me, and I said, fuck uh -huh. it, I want to perform. And I would get do shows, and you know, they were fun. There were great shows, and I had some really good comics up there, and I was able to pay them, so it was fun, you know. And we had an audience for it. I had uh, the chance to do New Year's Eve at Scotty's. I even said yes. And uh -huh. then Sandy, my wife, was like, "Excuse me, <laughs> we've right. been together every New Year's for twenty six years, and you're you know, cancel that, you know." So I had Fair to enough. call him. Yeah. So he just broke up with her. Well, he he came and said, I'm going home. I've left you a note. And I left goes, you a note. What? Yeah, it's essentially a breakup, even though he's not saying breakup. No, but... it's actually his set list he left by mistake. He, he took <laughs> he goes on the honky tonk and performs his breakup. Right. Uh, he, yeah. He pulls out his set list and he goes, Dear John, wait a Dear minute. Dear young and the restless. <laughs> yeah. So she's mad. She is mad, and legitimately so. You're a fair-weather comedian. You only come out when it's nice. That's true. That's a, that's a real thing. You know, there's no shame in comedy. You, ha you have to eat shit. You know, it's, it's funny. Mm -hmm. But uh, even if it's on you. Steph so, so goes, you listen, I'm a waitress, and I've seen better. I work here as uh, and the staff, and uh, I've seen better comics than you. Oh no, she's he's the greatest girlfriend. She does not insult him or hurt his feelings at all, except to call him a chicken, you know, which is the honest truth of what's going on. So now oh. it begins the long trek down Route 80. Symmetry, because we started off with him driving towards Los Angeles. Right. New Year's Eve, he's done. He doesn't even last a year. So he stops off at a honky tonk. He has a good set and he says, All right, I'll go back. I, I it doesn't it's not strong as an author. And this guy was a hell of a writer, uh, right. this John Clark. Well, of course, I this mean, is kind of early in his career. 
Yeah, I, I think this movie has a lot of meat on its bones. I mean, there's, no, it's, it's not. He started in the '60s, and this is 20 years into his career, and he's writing this crap. But he's he's letting demons out. He's he's letting his, the frustrations of the comedy he scene wasn't out. He was a comedian. He was a writer. Uh, he was never a comedian. Now he did write for a lot of. Um, okay, let so me, this is honky tonk comedian right now. This is just some local bar. Yeah, some honky-tonk. Uh, let's see. Jackie Gleason, Danny Kay, Steve Allen. These are all, you know, Smothered Brothers, Pat Paulson. These are all comedians. Yeah. So I don't think Ron Clark was ever a comedian, Just but he was around him. Right. So he knows, but he probably had friends that got one yeah. instant. You know, he probably seen the instant success and the, the quick burnout. And maybe crashes. he was a stand-up, and the internet just didn't tell me. Yeah, man, you were great. Hey, I'm a comedian too. Do you know? Is there? How can I? Is there a list? Can I get up? Do you know uh, of any other rooms? I have a hundred million other questions. That only happened to me once. I was in Jersey City. I was at this show, just seeing a friend. Her name's Stacy Kendrow. She's from Boston. She's a feature, and um, I just went up to the guy and I said, "Look, I'm a comedian. Uh, seems like everyone's still warm, and you're about to end. Uh, can I?" <laughs> all right and so i did i went up and i did a, the set i had in my wallet like i was saying yeah now they had a grand piano there so i i said your joke about tickling the ivories and how sometimes the elephants sneeze and it got a big laugh so i said okay i'll tickle the ivories so i sat down and i played imagine by john lennon and i did imagine there's no yoko oh it really went well Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm glad to hear. So it's not only in the movies, Carl. Even, you know, it happened to you. It wasn't Bernie's Bar and Cafe. Right. So he's leaving Bernie's and the guy's like, you were genuinely funny and everybody loved you. And that was all it took. That's strong enough. He gets on the phone with One girlfriend set. at three in the morning yeah. and says, I'm coming home. Hey, I just did a set and I killed. I can't go to sleep. I'm going to go back to Los Angeles and, and pursue my dream. Now, what's going to run off again? All takes place. It's still New Year's Eve. It doesn't so, what, she's asleep at 10 30? No, look at the clock. It's like four in the morning. Yes, right. It's, but it's, it's New, New Year's, Year's Day. Day. So, this is all happening, this 180. Now she's happy because she's the perfect girlfriend. She doesn't go, How dare you put me through a breakup? And then you're, you bipolar motherfucker. No, he, he showed up to his work. He showed up to her work on New Year's Eve, the busiest night. We just said it was the biggest <laughs> night in comedy. That's right. Hey, I, I left. I left you a note. I'm going. I, I can't hack. Yeah. This is kind of a comic thing to do. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. deal. I, I'm done. Now he's back. Is he listening to George Carlin again? No. Kelly Carlin? He's just, yeah, we're hearing, we're hearing inspirational music, and you can do it. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I love the theme song. Go ahead. Put it up. Put it up. I be grind every every on my mind LA on my way. <laughs> I love this. I know what to do. It's so bad. And it's also so 83. That's it. He goes back. The movie's over. No New Year's Day. 
There's Peter, the late Peter Ackroyd. A lot of people passed away. Yeah, a lot of did. Not Howie, though. It's really funny, his baby boys. Yeah, oh, it's Bobby's World. Jack oh, Blum. yeah, did that go on to be Bobby's World? Yeah, he did a... I didn't look up Jack Blum. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. Look at my... Yeah, he was pretty he good. Put on those girls who voluntarily hopped up on the stage and were happy about it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what about the female performers? Do they, would they feel comfortable being in a place that allows that? Like some, some comics... Allows don't... girls? They were females who got on the stage and said, I'm into they, they were audience members who came to see a show. They shouldn't be up there showing their tits. Okay. Hey, we never seen Brian Nussick on stage. That must be cut material. <laughs> yeah, there's Steve Allen, and his Walkman doesn't get a credit. His Walkman did not get a credit, and I was very, I thought that wasn't. That wasn't fair. Jesus Christ, Carl, what do yeah. you think of this movie? While the music still plays, don't get me I, wrong. Yes, I have to say that I enjoyed it because it was stand-up comedians. I guess I have to say I enjoyed it. But it irked me that it's just like he rolls into town. He's got a girlfriend and a place to stay. All the comedians are his friends. He gets, uh, you know, becomes a regular comedian with hardly any material. He's going to do a pilot. It's all like, ah, fake. That's not the way life works. But it's a movie. I get it. You have to accelerate. Well, it's a parody, Carl. I think this movie is good. Uh, and that it, it, it I, the problem is, is that it's the whole story about the Los Angeles comedy scene in the 70s and 80s, uh, you know, this was 83, so it was still kind of new and had that car, fresh car smell. It wasn't stale and repurposed and regurgitated and reused, but it was their version of it. So I caught a little inside history in there. And uh, I don't know, it was like a cautionary tale, this guy, you know, of Hollywood, of this guy. Like they just take young faces and put them in uh, stuff that they can't deal with and then they Here's get the crushed. recorded material. Yeah, there we go. So. Oh, he listened to Carl, uh, two thousand year old man. Yep, Comedy is not pretty. Right. Dating Joan of Arc was the routine. Oh, just, yeah. Well, we should give a shout out to to P, uh, Patrick Carlin, uh, George Carlin's younger brother, who used to be part of the show before us here on the Media Edge Radio. of Insanity. Yeah, Edge of Insanity with Paul Rumba. Yeah, Re the recently married. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fans of Paul Rumba and Mrs. Christine. Uh, you know, they, our fans yeah. of Paul Rumba. All great right. material, great picking up his kid from jail. Funny comedian, Paul Brumba. Right. Not in this movie, however. So uh, one comedian didn't make the cut, but yeah, we love Paul. All right, that rated our movie. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, Carl, uh, yeah, that was it. We are done with that yeah. at all. We never have to go back yeah. to the funny farm. Uh, we are free of that. Next week, we are going to maybe, I don't know, we... Well, we we have I don't a film. Know, like, uh, I don't announce that film. Uh, let's, talk. let's talk. Let's talk. Let's put it this way. <laughs> the purpose of our show is to, some movies are so bad, you just can't watch them on your own. You need yeah. someone in the room. You need somebody yeah. to be part. And we always feel like because you have to listen to our podcast and watch the movie at the same time to fully experience 
uh, what we're doing that we're that led us. We are as a group, us, the podcast and you, the listener, we are watching a movie together because some movies you just can't make it to the end because they're so fucking bad. <laughs> and that's the scenario we have with the film that it's in the pipeline and we can the thing is i will in my research be watching it alone maybe four times let's talk off air all right we'll talk off air because i watched the movie until a point where i had my eyes were removed by my hands and i could <laughs> no longer watch the movie so i think i agree with you well ladies yeah. and how about that for excitement here on let's watch a full-length movie on youtube every sunday on mutiny radio.fm where you can contribute to the station. Please go to miniradio.fm, hit their Patreon link, or go to Venmo and send them a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. We'd love to keep this going. Uh, we, As we have been for, for years, this is part of the Mission District community. We have live shows on Monday and Friday. Uh, and if you don't want to go in person to see them, you can listen to them on Mutiny Radio as a podcast or streaming live. Exactly. Go to miniradio.fm. More information about our iTunes link, more information about all the shows, including what's really happening that just played before us at noon here on Sunday. Luke. So, Carl, yeah, Luke Sayer. Luke, uh, Carl, I just called you Luke. Uh, it's me, Mark. Luke, do you, uh, anything uh, you'd like to promote? Anything coming up? I guess no. Just go to carlsucks.com yeah. and uh, you'll see all my upcoming dates, which pretty much means I'll be at Scotty's this weekend. And if there's anything else I do listed there, so please Sounds good. enjoy. Yeah, and we have a lot of great more show coming on, so uh, make sure you, uh, now that February is done, uh, join us next week in March as we maybe show a film we can't watch. My birthday's tomorrow, February 28th. You Happy guys birthday. Oh, but you. it's Monday. Huh, birthday on a Monday. How yeah. ironic. Yeah. See you guys at the party. All right. See you at the party, Carl. Uh, happy 40. 56. 56. 56. All right. Yeah. Right, hey, man. Hey, I'm a couple years behind you. So <laughs> keep blazing the path for me, brother. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. It's Friday night. You're at mutinyradio.fm and .sf, and it's time for Happy Hour, the happiest hour of two hours of comedy on the internet, streaming, and everywhere else that exists with Comedy Happy Friday. Yay! You're all here. We're all here. It's four-minute sets. You'll hear the horn at three. I try to do it on a punchline so that it doesn't disturb you too much, <laughs> the scary clown horn. Uh, but we're going to do those sets, and it's going to be really fun, and we're going to be each other's audience because it doesn't look like there's any people with souls in here today. But usually people come by, and they're like, oh, the comedy, what's going on? And then there's real people here sometimes, too. So, yay. Thanks for being here, though, and be nice to each other as audience. And clap your hands together for your first comedian, everybody. It's Kelly Evans. Yay. Hey, what's going on, everybody? 
Hell yeah. I decided not to go home for the holidays. Give it up for me. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know. Every time I'm there, I just end up missing here, you know? And so, you know, in order to get a piece of home, I sometimes have to walk outside and take a shit on the sidewalk, you know? And that's, I bring a piece with me. You know what I mean? Um, if you don't know, I'm from Texas. Uh, that's how they say it. You have to say it with a little bit of racism, you know? That's how, <laughs> it's Texas, you know? Like, you just don't really, you're not quite sure about Chinese people. You know what I mean? That's how, no offense. Um, no, it is a very racist place, though. I don't know. Yeah, it kind of. Anyway, um, I don't know if you know this about the South, but it's racist. And, uh, I mean, so much so, in fact, there are some people who think the South is going to rise again. That's like a statement they say in, in Mississippi. The South shall rise again. Like, not with those test scores, man. You know, have you seen the science and math scores? Like, you got to be able to spell secession to do secession. I'm pretty sure. Tight. Um, let's see. What else? Uh... Oh, I, I, speaking of racism, um, I was in an Uber the other day, and the driver was like, Chinese people can't drive, and he was Korean, so that was weird, you know? I was like, turns out white people are the only one feeling bad about racism. We are. Other races are just living it up, you know? They're just having a great time. It's just a wild thing to say, go back to where you came from, when you're also not from here, you know? That shit was weird. Um, I, uh... See, I used to do OxyContin. Thank you, I'm a hero. Um, yeah, I did Oxy, and uh, I stopped doing it because my family was upset. And um, so, I, you know, once I kind of got off drugs, I was, like, spending a lot more time with them. You know, I actually learned something. I should have kept doing the Oxy. I should have just kept doing Yeah, my family sucks. They are. It was not worth it, honestly. Um, I'd rather be an addict. Uh, all right, I'll finish on this last thing because it's long. Um, uh, my friend is about to have a baby and, uh, so he's actually going to be stay at home because his wife has a much more successful job than he does. Uh, yeah. Makes him a loser. A fucking, yeah. No, he's a hero. He's a hero. Way to go. It is weird when he breastfeeds though. You know, that is awkward for everybody. Um, I just, the thing that annoys me is we were at the baby shower and somebody was like, uh, being a parent is the hardest job in the world. And I was like, it's not a fucking job, man. I've never got a job where it came with placenta, you know? I'm just saying, it's not, it's not, why do we keep calling it a job? I know that makes stay-at-home parents feel better, but it's, it's way harder than any fucking job. Like, if I had a job that made me clean shit up and show up early constantly, I would flush it down the toilet. You know what I mean? Is that too dark? That was too, I knew Pam would like that one. All right, that one was just for Pam. Anyway, I just... Yeah, I've never cared about a job the way you should probably care about being a parent, you know? Um, also, uh, become, ironically, becoming a parent is way easier than getting any job. There's no drug test or tests at all. You can just, uh, yeah, you can just easily become. I never become, I never got a job because I was just too horny one time and I didn't pull out. I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot. You're the CEO now, you know? That's never Never fucking happened once, man. Although it would be pretty cool. That would be pretty tight if it worked that way. I would love to come early and then get a job for it. Um, also, the thing is, you can quit a job, you know? You can't quit. But you can quit being a coal miner, and people are very congrat They're congratulatory. They're like, hey, good for you. You know, you're retired. If you quit being a parent, all people have is questions. That is it. You're just like, think about how much more free time I have. You're like, where the fuck are your kids, man? All right, that was uh, very high energy. Thank you very much.
Have fun. Uh, I'll see you later. Where the fuck are your kids? Yay, Kelly Evans. Yay. Yay, Kelly Evans. Kids are gross. Uh, your next comedian, a super funny guy. Clap your hands in a wild slappy-like motion for Devontre Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, can you hear me? Why did you sit on the stool instead of one of the chairs? Like, <laughs> you just wanted to be all the way in the back. Oh, yeah, all right, joke time. Uh, I think we should bring back slavery. Simply because I'm tired of having to clean my own apartment. I don't think black people should be the slaves. I think uh, white Uber drivers should be the slaves. Um, I say that, but I'm not racist. I, uh... I'm not racist. I, I I know that racism is wrong. We can all agree that racism is wrong, right? Cool, yeah. But that was a, that was low energy. I'm leaving as soon as I'm done. Ra- all racism is wrong, but it's not all bad. There are some perks to racism. Like personally, my favorite perk is that because of racism, random white couples will never ask me to take pictures of them with their phone. Oh uh, yeah, racism could have stopped a lot of things. Like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. He's been in media lately. He could have been stopped with just a sprinkle of racism because if you don't know, he killed 17 men of color, like 17 minority men. If he was just a little bit more racist, it would have only been two white men, Max, because the police care about white people. Um, Y'all like video games? Make some noise if you like playing video games. Woo, this is a high-energy crowd. This is my favorite. I like video games, um, but... I don't like being called a gamer. I feel like that's our N word. It's actually way worse because no one's ever called me a gamer as a term of endearment. They usually use the hard R. Uh, yeah, I would prefer if people outside of the gaming community referred to us as people of games. Cool. Uh, yeah, I need to lose weight because I like big girls. And it's weird because when, when you're skinny and you date bigger women, it's like, you're being adventurous and she's accomplishing something. But have you ever seen two big people on a date? It, it just looks like they both settled. I, uh, I, uh, I recently found this new diet. It's called the Jurassic diet where you eat what you think the dinosaurs would have eaten. I don't think it's going to work though. Cause I genuinely believe the dinosaurs would have enjoyed Oreos. Um, are we a sex positive crowd? We, we believe in sex work and all that make some noise here. Yeah, we yeah, I think we need to shed more light on the real heroes, though. Those are the sex volunteers. Because without them, we'd be miserable. Um, you, all, you all believe in, like, exploring your sexuality, right? I've been exploring my sexuality lately. And the older I get, the more I realize that my sexual preferences are on the default settings. Like, uh, freaky shit actually isn't cool to me anymore. I recently got invited to my first orgy. And I don't really know how I feel about that. Because to be invited to an orgy, strangers have to think you look like you attend orgies. Yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to watch or join in. But uh, I'm going to find out on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to end on uh, this chug that Ian loves. Uh, so, though, like, I know that freaky shit isn't my forte because, like, dirty talk scares me. Because when you're too good at dirty talk, it becomes, like, intimidating. I was with this lady recently... And in the heat of the moment, she said to me, she said, I want you to fill me up with so much cum that it seeps out of my pores. Like, first of all, I definitely got to get tested after this. 
but also like that wasn't improvised. She practiced that in front of a mirror for like weeks. Also, I didn't want her to like be upset with me. Like I want I wanted her to stay in the zone. So the first thing I thought of, I said, and I said, yo, after fucking with a nigga like me, you gonna need a dermatologist. And yeah, thank you. I'm Devontra. <laughs> Coleman, yay! I understand about those practiced lines. I was, hey, I was on the bus and um, some children behind me, they were probably 